Welcome to Mandatory Happy, a podcast exploring the highs, lows and horrors of romantic movies through the ages. I'm Ray. And I'm Renee. And this week we are talking about sleeping with other people where two people fall in love whether they like it or not. And it's plot time. <laughs> plot time. Ray, why don't you... Uh... Regale um, us with your thoughts. I'm going to preface this by saying that uh, Renee and I have been worried that, you know, perhaps we just agree on everything all of the time. And this week, we are we could not be in more disagreement. So um, this should be fun. All right. So here's the plot of Sleeping With Other People, which has an amazing cast, who I don't understand why they agree to be in this movie, but amazing cast. It starts in 2002. Lainey and Jake are students at Columbia who randomly meet and quickly lose their virginities to one another, um, which is weird because they're both really attractive college students who are still virgins. So why would you just anyway, whatever. Um, then 12 years later, they run into each other at a sex addiction group. Um, she is, Lainey is having an affair with the same guy that she was into in college, uh, who is now an engaged doctor. And Jake is a womanizer with commitment issues. So they meet up and they start out by going on a date and uh, they spend all night discussing how screwed up they are. So they agree to be just friends. Um, then a bunch of super offensive shit happens, including a scene in which a woman has her own ability to orgasm mansplain to her. Uh, which is par for the course, because everyone in this movie is unrealistic. Anyway, um, so it's just <laughs> those two being friends. Other people think they should get together, but they're not getting together. And, you know, she's still having an affair with the doctor and he's womanizing and blah, 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 blah. So that's basically the movie. Well, she's um, not having the affair with the doctor, though. Well, she is. She's still struggling with the... Uh, with avoiding giving in to wanting to once they well then i mean okay i guess it depends on it kicks back in again timeline is no well she goes to break up with him and then they sleep together and then from there you don't see them actually together again or talking again but the movie does take place over like over i don't know how to say this over over a year over but more it than does a year. take That's it cool. does take a, like over an hour for her to have the point where she goes to Jake and she's like it's definitely over he chose the fiance over me. That comes right, like but they weren't sleeping together during that time because he was the one that was helping her like avoid his. She would call Jake, right, and go to Jake every time she wanted to talk to him. Basically, okay. So she was so emotionally involved but they weren't actually seeing each other anymore. Okay. It wasn't so, until he, she ran into her, him and his wife with a wife pregnant that she was like, oh, yeah, I can't stay connected to this anymore. Okay, so I'm just going to get this out the way at the beginning and say that if the stuff that went on in this movie, um, the casual misogyny and no one having chemistry and really weird things that are dropped in there just to be dropped in there. If we saw this in a movie that had a less cool cast, I think you would be as horrified as me. I don't think so. I think, and I, I didn't want to say this for, okay. So for, for people listening, Ray and I really did not discuss this beforehand because we haven't done it for any other movie. So I knew that she didn't like it because she knew that I, really love this movie and it felt fair right like to prepare right. a little bit 
but we didn't discuss it and because it should be as close to how we would discuss any other movie as yeah. it can be. Yeah. I think what happened is that we had totally different reads on what the point of the things that were happening were. And I don't think that's not to say that one of us is right and one of us is wrong because that's one thing that really irritates me when talk, people talk about movies is like, if someone has one read of something, then someone has to be right and someone has to be wrong. I don't think that's the case, but I think that's the only thing I can imagine as to how we would have such vastly different opinions. Right. Um, and I do think that they have really good chemistry. So I think I, that you think they don't have chemistry because you don't like either one of them. I mean, it's a problem. I don't like either one of them. Um, <laughs> Uh, they occasionally have good chemistry, but my, my issue with the movie is that I don't think anyone in the movie has chemistry, which I, I think is really a remarkable feat of bad engineering if you consider the, the amount of talent in the film. Um, the I only find people... that baffling because I I thought at the very least you would like um, Jason Mantzoukas and uh, oh, what is her name? His wife in the movie. Um, I can I tell you the name them. because the only two things I liked in this movie was those two. Um, the, oh, okay. <laughs> the, the wife played by Andrea Savage. Um, she yeah, plays I have it written down, but I... uh, Jason Mansukas is Jake's business partner. Those were the only two, two people I liked in this movie. Every scene they were in, okay. I actually enjoyed and got a little bit of a chuckle out of. Like, he can do no wrong for me. So... Okay. those two so that's good because if you were going to say that you didn't like them i was going to be like i just don't know if we're ever, if we can discuss this because clearly there's some no. kind of <laughs> no no i love to be able around it for you. and there's there's a moment when the when the um the credits are rolling and it's just the two of them standing around talking mm -hmm. uh and being a little bit frisky with each other and i sat there and i watched that for two minutes and i was like this is a movie I would watch. I'd watch these two and I'd watch these two having a kid's birthday party where they're struggling to control the children. And he calls his child's birthday party a hellscape. And she is begging everyone not to have children. And this was like, these are the best things in the movie. Everything around Lainey and Jake, I could give a shit because they're both bad people. Well, he's a bad person. Like he's insufferable. But the problem with her is her character doesn't make any specific sense. Give me a second. Okay, so <laughs> to begin with, so he, they meet because she is smashing up the corridor of his dorm room because the boy that she was supposed to lose her virginity to is not opening his door. So she's smashing up a corridor. She's dressed really rebelliously. She's wearing a teeny tiny skirt. She's stomping around. Um, and then, okay, riddle me this. How does a woman like that, who's clearly in control of whatever she's doing and has very strong feelings and doesn't have any inhibitions about anything, how is, uh, how is it possible that she would just walk into the dorm room of a man she's never met before, announce that she's a virgin within the first three minutes, and then also tell him that she is failing her pre-med course at Columbia, so it's expensive. She's failing it on purpose in order to be closest closer to this guy she likes so i cannot like what... a female character studying pre-med in college who is failing on purpose to because she likes a boy like at what point am i but supposed to like this human? this is where i think the thing is is that that it's our reads that are different because i don't disagree with anything you've said but i disagree with 
the fact that it makes the movie bad. And the reason why is because in so many romantic comedies, you have that stupid thing. And in TV too, where it's like, I'm going to pretend to feel Spanish so I can flirt with the Spanish teacher, or I'm going to ask for help with math so that the guy will come over after school. And there's never any consequence for it. But in this movie, not only does she not get the guy in that scene, uh, the guy she wants, um, but 12 years later, she is still suffering the consequences of fucking off in college over a boy instead of just buckling down and doing the work. Yes, but why are we... So, I, I, tell me how it's possible to like this human. I, I think that the point and what I liked about it is that both of them suck and you spend a movie with them watching them reap the consequences of sucking and realizing that they need to change to have any sort of happiness. And that at the end of the movie, they're not 100% better, but they're making a choice to commit to doing better and but, continuing okay, right. on the improvements so, that they've her, laid down. To that point, her personality literally doesn't make any sense. She is whatever convenient thing that the plot point needs at any point. For example, um, you know, she's the kind of, you know, you're saying, well, they're both bad people. Okay, but she's this amazing kindergarten teacher who's so patient with the kids and she can get a children's party organized in three minutes. And, you know, she, oh, and then at the same time, this is also amazing. There's a scene where she goes to a lingerie store with Jake, who she's trying to have a platonic relationship with, and leaves the changing room wearing full complicated lingerie, walks out into the store where other humans are, parades around like no woman ever would or has done in the history of the world. And then uh, at some time later, when they're at the children's birthday party and she rips her shirt off because she's on ecstasy, she, she literally says, I just accepted my body four seconds ago. Really? Because a few months ago, you were parading well, around the laundry store in your drugs. underwear. So that okay. doesn't make any sense. Which she's literally obviously... on drugs when she says that. Yes, so. but, but the point is, she's comfortable with her body in that scene because she's on ecstasy and she feels really good. So what was that shit in the lingerie store about? No woman I know, even the most confident women I know, even the, you know, dancers that I know and the strippers that I know wouldn't try on underwear in a store and walk out to show the platonic friend who they have a, they have a code word in case there's too much sexual tension. So she's going to parade around a store in lingerie for him. What is that? But it doesn't I think make that's, any sense. I think it makes total sense if you're it reading helped. the movie as... I'm going to tell you. Hold on. <laughs> I know you're mad at me for making you watch this. Way, I'm but so please. mad at you for making me watch this movie. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But this is why, this is what I think really makes sense. And, and one of the reasons that I, I, I won't say I like the character because until the end, I think she's very unlikable. But one of the reasons I think she's a good character is because she's clearly mentally ill. And, and she, puts a lot of her self-worth into how the men that she is attracted to think of her. Like she is offended that Sobacek doesn't acknowledge the, like the references she makes with her code. Sobacek, by the way, is fuck. the doctor that she's been having an affair with, who right, she's trying sorry. to have an affair with. And she's, you know, she's like offended by that. And he's like, just because I don't praise your intellect all the time, doesn't mean that I don't recognize it. You know, like she has a very intense 
relationship with whoever she is attracted to in relation to how she feels about herself. And I think watching the movie that when she does that, cause she comes out and she giggles and she says mousetrap and she runs back in. That's the code word, by the way, she's trying to, she wants him. I'm not making an argument for why she's a good person, by the way, I'm making an argument for why this is realistic. She wants him to be sexually attracted to her and she wants that tension does she, she also does want the entire store to be sexually attracted to her because i don't know any woman in the history of the world who would do this but she's literally literally a sex addict but she's not though because the only person that she is first of all she's not a sex addict because she was a virgin in college secondly she's not a sex addict well, because... let's do, okay wait wait, wait, wait let me finish let me finish let me because finish. Wait, let me what finish. You were before you she, lost your virginity doesn't relate to who you are after you lose your virginity when you're talking about sex. Okay. So after she loses sex. her virginity, the guy that she was trying to lose her virginity to is still the guy that she's obsessed with. She's only into that one guy. She doesn't care about anyone else. She's not a sex addict. But she's been in other relationships and ruined them. Well, in she order was in a relationship and actually this is one of the things I liked. We see her in a restaurant with the nerdy one from the OC. And I can't remember his name in real life. She's on a date with him and she breaks <laughs> up with him. Right. Um, I think his comic timing in that scene was brilliant. I wished that he had been in the movie more because he was one of the funniest things in it. And he's in it for three minutes. So we know she's had oh, that see, relationship. That but this is not. This is not sex addiction. This is not. That's not what sex addiction looks like. It, it's not but, two but people over the span of so two years. Two things I'm going to say. I don't think we, I, I don't think there's maybe a right word, a right diagnosis for her, but she's in therapy. Her doctor is suggesting to her to go to sex addicts meetings. And she demonstrates several times over the course of the film having a really fucked up relationship with sex. Oh, and you know like, what, Renee? If she so, was a sex addict, she would have figured out how to have an orgasm on her own by now and not need a man to again, explain it to her. This but movie, it's super I, wrong to say that because she doesn't fit the common definition of a sex addict, that she doesn't have a pathological relationship with sex. If she doesn't know how to have an orgasm, so, what would be the point of being a sex addict? Wouldn't you be addicted to something else? Pills, maybe? Well, she says that she does have orgasms with Sobacek. But but we have to be careful in that when, when somebody doesn't fit in a, in, in a movie, in life, whatever, somebody doesn't fit an exact definition or exact idea of mental illness, not just to be like, well, they're not mentally ill. Okay, oh, that was my I point. accept that. I she accept is that. mentally ill and she's seeking treatment. So okay. when she's doing things that don't make sense and she's having like an anxiety attack over wanting to answer a phone call or she's being really sexual in a way that doesn't make sense... I believe that because, like, she's already acknowledged that she needs to be in therapy. So, okay. you know, that you is go fair. to therapy and it's better, you know? That is fair. What I do not think is fair, never in my life have I encountered a woman, and I'm middle-aged, I've never encountered a woman from high school upwards, from the age of 12 upwards, who couldn't figure out how to have an orgasm unless there was an actual physical problem there. Do you know what I mean? Like women, we live in our bodies. We know what they, they feel like. We know what feels good. We know what doesn't feel good. The idea I that a man definitely. could roll in and be like, hey, sweetheart, why don't you try this? It's so incredibly offensive to me. Like if this was a, if this was a scene between Catherine Heigl and Matthew McConaughey, can you imagine? 
No, I know, but you. This is this is the one thing, the one scene that we talked about outside of this episode. The thing that actually makes it worse is that two seconds after that scene, he she uses he's talking about the exercises that women do, and she says kegling, and he says whatever, and she says to him, "I got into med school. I think I know what kegling is. So you know what kegling is, but you don't know how to have an orgasm on your own. Like that doesn't make any." God damn, none of it makes any sense. So I hated that scene too. It, it was the one scene that we talked about with any specificity before doing the show and literally just specificity, right? But I said I hated that scene too. I Believe me, there are things in this film that I found problematic, but I didn't find the entire movie as offensive as you two. I really hated that scene. And I've said like, it's funny because even people who like the movie as much as I do that I've talked to you about it have a hard time understanding how I can hate that scene as much as I hate it. Oh, excuse me. And still love the movie overall. I mean, I so, had a hard time with it because that was the thing that finished me off. That was the point where I was like, you know what? Fuck this movie because it's so deeply offensive to me as a woman. So, but the one reason why it didn't just completely infuriate me is because the next scene is her talking to her friend and her friend is like, I can't believe that it took a man to tell you that. Because that's what I was thinking when it was happening is like, this is not, it's supposed to be like really sexy and create this insane amount of tension. But I didn't buy any of it because like you, I was like, no, because one, if he's supposedly so good in bed, he would know that not every like not every vagina and clitoris works the same way. Right. And he would also know that um, if you're fingering a girl and then she gets wet, you're doing it wrong. Like there's some weird stuff in there. I'm totally 100% on board with how much you hate that scene because like you said, it doesn't make sense. And it's supposed to show him as being like really good in bed, but the way that he's describing what he thinks, thinks a woman should do to finger herself is like, I feel like you're not good in bed. I feel like you're bad in bed. But he's also, so you know, with you on he's, that he's acting like he invented the clit. Like he's just discovered it. He's, he's the master. Like you're not the, I just, I just couldn't believe. I mean, honestly, if I try and think of a case of mansplaining on film worse than this, I literally can't do it. Do you want to hear what's even worse? I hate to, to drop this the way I'm about to drop it. And hopefully people listening to this don't get mad but you know what's even worse about that scene is it's written by a lesbian no i shouldn't really want to kill know? myself shouldn't she know better but but here's the other thing i wanted to say um i wish you could see my face right now renee <laughs> I know. when i found out like anyway no i'm not gonna get in it's not an attack on her because it should be it should not. be attack on whoever wrote but, it because it's a terrible fucking scene yeah, it really is. And also just just in general using a fucking juice bottle. It, no, it's a really bad scene. And this is why I'm telling you, like, we are not as at odds as I think you think we are. Because I really hated that scene. And it, um, it did almost ruin the movie for me. But the things that I felt like you don't see on film enough that did happen saved it for me. But the other thing I wanted to say before I forget is that um, the whole storyline with her sleeping with the doctor for years and years is biograph uh, autobiographical on the part of the filmmaker. Okay. 
So, I mean, I'm, I don't question. I don't question. I don't know any details of it. I don't question that she's having an affair with a doctor. I question all of the other stuff around it, like her being a sex addict and being in a like self-help group. Having an affair with somebody does not mean that you're a sex addict. But Doesn't. if you have a compulsion and you can't control it and it's it's hurting you and it's ruining your relationship with a guy you're about to buy a house with and all this other stuff and you feel the need to be in therapy to fix it, then that is something more than an affair. Like having so, an affair... By that you, definition, like, I should be in a sex addict group then. I don't think any well, of this is have... abnormal behavior. I think if you're having an affair with somebody, it's toxic automatically. Um, and you do well, terrible things true, because you're think... lusting after someone. I don't think it means that you have a mental illness. But she clearly does, though. In is a way clear? that goes beyond. I feel like if every time you face an uncomfortable situation, you immediately turn to fucking somebody who you know is unavailable to you. Yeah. And then <laughs> the fact that she has, like, actual hyperventilating panic attack the second he calls her because normally he texts the fact that she follows him down the pier. And these are all after she's made the decision not to be with him after like the, the reason why I liked it is because it showed somebody who's in a very toxic frame of mind, forget him, like forget anything about their relationship. Although I do want to say more about that, but forget it for now for this. She knows that it is hurting her life and it has been for we're I think we're supposed to assume for the entire time, right? Yeah. Like for 12 years. Yeah. If you're in a situation where your life is constantly being held back by doing the same thing over and over again for 10 years or more, and it creates a physical response in you when you can't do it, that is at least similar enough to an addiction that you can say, yeah, there's something mentally wrong here that needs to be dealt with. And she I don't is think she has a sex addiction. I think she's addicted to him. I think she's in love with him. I think that's hard to let him go. I think that's fair, but I also don't think it's really love. And this is one of the things, so this is one of the things that I would argue my read of the film is that it's about really toxic ideas about sex. Because in the film, you meet three people who you know for a fact lost their virginity like abnormally late and all three of those people seem to have really weird relationships with sex the issue is that you know i was trying to make allowances for laney and i was trying to make allowances for all of the things that i hated and i was trying to give it a chance but you know i really didn't feel like any of the characters in this movie were well drawn aside from the aforementioned married couple who were just cute and they're not in it very much so it doesn't really matter um, I, I, you know, to begin with, Natasha Leone, who usually can do no wrong for me, she's in this playing a lesbian. And, you know, there's a scene where she is telling her female best friend, as a person who's attracted to women, that, well, men and friend, men and women can't be friends uh, because sex always gets in the way, right? This kind of doesn't make any sense within the context since she is sexually attracted to women. Um, and I felt like this was just one of those things that didn't need to be there that was slid in there awkwardly so there would be a callback to When Harry Met Sally. Because there were a couple of callbacks to I When Harry Met Sally. I feel like they just the threw that in there and it didn't make any sense, right? The callbacks are really forced. And that's why when really we did forced. When Harry Met Sally, I was like, we can't do this movie right after 
because it's too much. It's um, really, really and- forced. And I don't understand why they felt the need to do it because this actually doesn't have that much in common with when Harry met Sally at all. Exactly. Exactly. The one thing I did like, though, is when she's having the conversation about, like, basically letting Jake take up space. Like, you are having a romantic relationship with him without any of the benefits of a romantic relationship because I think that there's a thing where, like, you and I have talked about this when we did When Harry Met Sally. Like, Like, we both have had guy friends. Mm-hmm. And I've had plenty of guy friends that were purely platonic, but there are relationships where you, where you realize at some point where you're like, Oh, I'm like the placeholder for this person. And when they get into a romantic relationship, our relationship will fundamentally change because they're just using me to meet those needs. Right. Aside from the sexual. Right. And I thought it was cool that they acknowledged that that happened. Um, they could have went into more detail on it for my taste, but they didn't, whatever. Um, but see, I think the problem here is that you really hated it because the characters are shitty fucked up people. And I really liked it because the characters are shitty fucked up people. It's not that simple though, because there's also laced throughout this is a casual misogyny that we're supposed to not really acknowledge. Um, there's, for example, this one drove me nuts. Jake, while he's sleeping with other people is giving Lainey shit for also sleeping with other people. Um, and he says to her, she's like, well, you're sleeping with other people too. And he says, I'm going inside them. Then they're, they're going inside you, uh, Grody. Right? That's what he says. And Sweet. her response to that is a giggle and stop. No, this is fundamentally, that is from the school of misogyny, 1954. Like, and we're supposed to just go, oh, they're just being cute See, together. I didn't feel, and that's, and this is where I, I think, like, we just differ on, I, I felt like a lot of the things that are presented in the movie are presented in a way to show you, like, these people do not have the right idea about sex, they don't have the right idea about romance, and they've somehow gotten to a place in their lives where they should by now, and and that's kind of where I was at, and one of the things that I felt like supports my idea on that is that the worst things that the characters do are shown to have consequence. And usually in romantic comedies, those things are presented as like heroic moments or moments that don't have consequence. Okay. So how would you justify the scene where Jake is telling his boss and we'll get into her in a second. Cause that whole thing drove me fucking insane as well. Jake telling his boss about losing his virginity. And he says, I wanted it to be special. And then he pauses for a second. He says, I think I literally sprouted a vagina when I said that. And we're supposed to go, oh, this isn't like that scene is supposed to be them bonding. It's not about demonstrating what a horrible misogynist he is. Um, But I don't think that it's about, I think that Jake's character is presented as being just fundamentally insecure in just about every way. And so all these things that he says and does, like, he can't be vulnerable with anybody without immediately undoing it. Like I, I viewed it as like, this is a thing that he needs to fix. This is not a thing that's okay. And you even see it like in scenes that are definitely supposed to be serious. Like after he attacks Sobchak and she gets into the cop car and is breaking up with him. 
And he's like trying to make jokes about it. And he's like, okay, no, you're right. This is not time for joking. It's because he can't face any kind of real emotion that he's that guy that's always had a joke and always had to be like, draw attention away from the fact that I have any vulnerabilities. I didn't view it as like, we're supposed to like this about him. I viewed it as like, there's something wrong with him that, that comes through in really weird and subtle ways because he never says what he means in the movie. He gives two different reasons for being a late bloomer. Right. But if you read between the lines, both of the reasons are really like, I was super insecure. And I didn't have, like, basically, I didn't have the guts to do anything about it. Uh, so what do you enjoy about watching this? I don't understand. We're just watching shitty people be shitty to each other. Are we supposed well, to root for them? Okay. Why would I root it, for these people? They suck. <laughs> well, okay. So, for one, my my professional life is rooted in noir, right? So that is just, like, shitty people doing shitty things and having shitty things happen to them. That is like that's my professional life. I I by write that stories like that. I read stories like that now. Like I read a lot of other stuff too. But but by that rationale, within this context, so, you should love Adam Sandler. Well, no, because and this is I'm getting there because through the course of this movie, you see both of them accepting each other's flaws without excusing them. They're both working. Lainey works more than Jake in a, in a tangible way because they do mention that she's going to therapy. She does get her shit together and apply to medical school. Like she makes more progress than he does, but it's about two people who are fucked up and stupid figuring out how to not be fucked up and stupid together. And I, I feel like those stories are really important because we have like so many people and I'm one of them that deal with mental illnesses that tell us that we're fucked up and stupid, whether or not we really are and tell us that because of that, we're unlovable. And, and this I don't movie, I feel like I says that's this movie does not help us out in that regard well, not, at all. I'm not done. I feel like this movie says that getting better is a process, whereas a lot of other movies make you believe that as soon as you find the right person and decide to be with them, that all of the work is done. Um, and this movie also says that you need somebody who's going to be there with you when you're fucked up. Because as much as I hate the saying of like, if you don't love me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. Like when you choose to be in a committed relationship with somebody, you are choosing to be there when they're at their worst. And that excluding obviously abuse, but like they're not abusive to each other. They're just really fucked up people. And there, and the other thing I liked is like, so, so many rom-coms, one of the leads has to break up with somebody in order to be with the other lead. And in this movie, Instead of playing it off like, well, she kind of deserved it because she was boring or she was a bitch or whatever random reason they'll assign. In this case, I feel like it was actually really emotional. Like when he jumps up and he starts that fight, it doesn't look heroic. It looks ugly. Like Sobachek's wife is crying. Her water breaks. She's freaking out. She has no idea what's going on. Jake's girlfriend is 
like trying to help the lady and trying to figure out what's going on. And when she comes in and she breaks up with him, it's not like, fuck you. And then he gets to be with Lainey. She says like, it's like, you're two different people. I, I let you into my life. I let my son fall in love with you. Like you have to, to understand how bad the situation is rather than in a lot of rom-coms just being like, just pretend that that other person isn't there. They were an obstacle and now they're out of the way. Like that, these are the things I liked about it. Okay. But this is, this this brings us to his boss that he starts a relationship with right now. First of all, he is working for this woman. He's hitting on her relentlessly in the office. And even though she says no repeatedly, he keeps going in. Then, of course, she gives in because that's exactly what lady bosses love to do at work, get hit on by the employees. And then, oh, I'm just going to go out with you because that's a great idea. So that, first of all, she is a shell of a human in the same way that the two main characters are. Like, they're they're supposed to be terrible people. She's supposed to be a multi-millionaire CEO of something really important. And she's just, oh, you sure I'll go out with you, Jake. Um, and then on top of that, um, they go out, they have sex for the first time. He says Lainey's name during the first time they have sex. And she immediately, hey, do you want to talk about it? And then they start a relationship. And then on top of the fact that they start a relationship with him, like that wasn't just super humiliating, that thing that just happened even after she's like gone against all of her general rules about not dating stuff, she's going to stay with him. And then she also super, you know, amazing boss lady is going to decide that because we, we don't see their two month relationship. We just see what it's like two months in. And by the time it's two months in, Jake is already like a surrogate father to her child. No woman I know with a child, no single mother I know with a child within two months of being in a relationship with somebody brings their children into it because it's risky and people, mothers care more about their kids than they care about the guy that they're dating. It wouldn't happen this quickly. It doesn't make any sense. In addition to that, the very first sex scene that they have together, she works with him. She knows he's a womanizer. She has unprotected sex with him and literally says during, come inside me, right? What smart woman do you know who would do this? Like none of these this is but my again, point. The same problem with Lainey. Another character. It doesn't make any sense. No, she is in charge of everything. She is like very. I understand, but she's, she's another character. She's not, and she's not supposed to be. She was influenced in a really terrible way by purity culture. She waited until her wedding to have sex for the first time, and then she makes stupid, bad decisions when it comes to sex. And that's where I think I see a theme that you don't see. Whereas, like this movie, really, it's about people who have bad relationships with sex because they used to believe all of the bullshit that society tells people about sex. And when those ideas are shattered, their relationships to sex are dysfunctional and don't make sense. When people are dysfunctional, they do things that don't make sense. That's why it's dysfunctional. This woman is so in control of every facet of her life that the way she behaves with Jake immediately is unjustifiable. Just because you have a screwed up background or a screwed up history or some kind of, you know, you were raised Mormon or you waited till you got married. It doesn't mean that you have to stay screwed up forever and ever. And if you are running a company of that size and you have your life together to that degree and you're raising a child, I don't think you would immediately, immediately be like, hey, promiscuous guy from my office, come inside me. 
It's just and that not would believable. make sense if somebody doesn't have dysfunction. Plenty of people have dysfunction in one facet of their life that they don't have everywhere else. Plenty of people have really fucked up ideas about sex that have totally normal lives or the totally thing successful is, Renee, lives. I don't and so I feel like a lot of what you're saying is that people can't have good quality, like women can't be in control and be smart and have like have good lives and then also have really bad relationships with sex. No, that's not what I'm saying but, at all. What I'm yeah. saying is like well, I said that several times though. But but here's the thing. I'm in a community where I would class a lot of us as pretty screwed up. And I'm like, these are the communities I've always been in. But none of the characters in this movie rang true. It all seemed like they're this thing one minute, they're this thing the other minute, and it's just convenient to get the plot points along. And I feel like, I mean, I know what you're trying to I know what you're trying to say, and I think that's what the movie was trying to do. I just don't think they did it well. Because the characters, none of them were fully formed. I don't think but, that and I these people are fully I formed. Think, I think a lot of the things that you see as not making sense are things that make sense for a certain type of person. And that's the type of person that was presented in this movie. So I know a lot of people who, when they split with their spouses, made all kinds of agreements about how long it would be before the kids met the new significant other that the ex had to meet the significant other before the kids did. They made all these promises because logically they sound really smart and they are. But then when it comes time where they start dating again, they're at each other's throats because, well, she let the kids meet this new guy without me meeting him. Oh, but she told me that you basically moved this chick in in two months. And when people who are dealing with, divorce or who have disordered shit with sex anyway or both get into relationships people do throw logic out the window and unfortunately like people do get selfish even when kids are involved and like in the scheme of things it's pretty bad but it's not even close to the worst thing that I've seen like in the past six months people do as a result of divorce with kids involved like and to me, it's unrealistic. But for the person that she is, it's unrealistic. It doesn't gel with the rest of her personality. She's a very controlled person. So all of this stuff that gets thrown in there doesn't make any sense. But see, to me, my thing is, is that I look, I, I, I know for a fact that lots of people in my life who have control over every aspect of their life, who are very successful and um, have their shit together, from the outside are dealing with one or two things in their life that they're super dysfunctional about and that they haven't dealt with. And that a lot of times people become very put together and focused and in control so they can avoid dealing with the thing that they're fucked up about. And so if you're, if you are the CEO and you get to put all of your energy into that, you don't have time to date. You don't have the willingness or the need to deal with your fucked up feelings about sex and relationships, you get into a relationship, you make stupid decisions. But see, I think and you're kind of, you're, you're tying things up in knots to conveniently fit with that definition of what this movie is. And I think that you- I don't you, think I am because I you have this actually, movie and I felt this wait, way wait, 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 before wait. we had to discuss it. I do think that what you're saying is what they were trying to do, but you have to admit this was executed really poorly. I mean- 
but I don't have to admit that because we just have different reads of the film and it's okay for us to have different reads of the film. Like, I'm not telling you that your read is wrong. I'm just defending my read. Yeah. So I'm not going to tell you like, you have to love this movie and think it's a great send up of purity culture. Like, I'm not going to tell you that because you don't have to. And clearly like there are going to be people, maybe even a lot of people who watch this movie and feel exactly the same way that you do. And there are going to be people who, watch this movie and feel exactly the same way I do and there's probably like an even larger number of people who are going to watch it and be like I don't know what either of them are talking about (laughs) and and that's fine too but I think like one of the things that I think is like standing in the way of us like really seeing eye to eye not necessarily agreeing because clearly we are not going to but seeing eye to eye is that I know people who act this way who are overall good people but you want to shake them because they're doing things that they shouldn't be that are actively hurting them and you don't know that many people i who do it clearly because you keep saying well no 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 no. but here's the thing i know people who have dysfunctional relationships with sex and love and addiction i know all of those people and none of them don't look like none of them are represented in this movie at all and not even close but i think i think that i mean clearly if we held romantic comedies to having to be representative of even like five things that a person could be dealing with like no movie would ever pass that test right so i think i know people that this yeah, definitely applies to and i, I see things no, and I get that, but I'm saying I see things that, like, definitely people I know are like that. And maybe in, in my personal experience, it's not with sex, but it's with other things. And I see those behaviors, and I see the way people in the movie are acting erratically or, like, doing the kind of one step forward, two back, making really shitty decisions. And I can see that in relation to the things that I have issues with that are not sex. So I think it just depends on like again your read of the film and what's happening in it and two like whatever your personal experiences are because clearly there are people who like would look at us saying how shitty 27 dresses is and think that we are insane i think that they're insane they think that we're insane yeah but here's the funny thing i had a thought watching this movie and it was I actually prefer 27 dresses because 27 dresses didn't try to be cool and this is just trying to be cool <laughs> see and that it's just i think it's just it is it's like we had two totally different reads of the film we came at it from two totally different angles and it like brought out every difference in our life experience well no it's not Whereas even no other movie has for done me that. it was more that i didn't feel like the way that um relationships were formed you know we've previously done when harry met sally you see that their friendship in their relationship develop at such like a normalized pace that it makes sense whereas this from the very first scene as I previously mentioned she walks into a stranger's room and sits down and starts talking about how she's a virgin and how she was gonna lose her virgin like this is not how people behave it's not how anyone behaves I know people who like I know very irrational um people who do have sex addictions and do have alcoholic problems and that kind of thing and not one of them would walk into somebody's room and sit down having never met them before and go by the way i'm a virgin and i'm in love with this person and spill your whole life story just because he but that's helped you stay in the building 
again, though, I think it's just a different read of that scene because she comes in and I think she's trying to be sexy. She's trying to be tempting. She needs validation from him. And I'm not proud to admit, but will admit that in college, like I could totally see myself talking to a guy that way if I thought it could go somewhere. And and, and that's like you though. How is that sexy? I was gonna lose my virginity tonight. See, lots of guys think virginity is sexy, number one. And number two, these are people who are late bloomers who've put so much importance on their virginity. So if you're raised in any kind of purity culture or you uh do something really dumb like uh, I did and voluntarily walk into it in high school. Um, you believe that being a virgin makes you sexy. And then if you look at, Oh my God, like porn, get into all this. Right. But porn thinks being a virgin, being young, all this, these are things like that you could see as sexy at 18 or 19, however old she's supposed to be in college when you show up in your slutty schoolgirl outfit to fuck your TA. Like I, I knew girls that would have done that twice a week if they thought it would have, if it would have resulted in getting attention that they wanted, regardless of who gave it to them. This is a side note, but last time I was watching the breakfast club, I made a point um, in my blog where I was like, why is everyone asking each other if they're a virgin? Like it comes up all the time. And my, um, I had a couple of friends get in touch with me and they were like, don't you remember like being in your teens? That is like the hot topic. And if you haven't lost it yet, like you're the square, you're the nerd. That's not the sexy thing when you're in your teens. You're not supposed to be a virgin in your teens. Like that's not a badge of honor. Like that's not, that's why I didn't think that was realistic. Well, I think, I think it just depends. Like, so in they're in New my York. circle of they're friends, Utah. Well, I didn't grow up in Utah either. I grew up less than two hours from where you live right now. <laughs> you know what I mean. I just went to the Mormon place because it seemed easiest. I'm sorry, Mormons. This <laughs> was the easiest but example. Also, but also, you know, um, my ex was one of these people who had like a lot of emphasis put on purity and a lot of weird hangups about sex. And he was from Baltimore. So it's like, it, it's it's more, I think, about how your parents were raised than, like, where you are. Because definitely kids talk shit about losing their virginity and being sexual before they have lost their virginity and are sexual. That's I'm not arguing that at all. But different groups of kids we'll put a lot of emphasis on how disgusting it is that you're being sexual at all, or that you want to lose your virginity. And I um, think that might be specific to America. I, I think it might be. Cause you, cause again, this is a country that was so obviously founded on Puritans. Like, did we, Oh, so I was a guest on a different podcast. This is so weird because I was about to say we talked about this, but we didn't. I was a guest on a different podcast that's going to be out later this month where we talked about like that weird relationship America has with sex and violence where showing your kids violence is fine, but showing your kids sex is like, oh, my God. And even as like sex positive as I like to think of myself as, I have a weird thing about it, too, when it comes to my kid. Where I'm like, I don't know what the right answer is. What's the right amount? What's the right? Because mm-hmm. 
I was raised in a culture that said it was bad. Like right. it's bad. That you would even be shirtless in front of your kid. And, and like, it's weird. We're super okay with violence and we're super not okay with sex in America. And I think that might be part of it too, where it's like, you're like, well, why would be being a virgin be sexy? And it's like, well, like a lot of people in America think that's like the hottest thing ever is like being the one who gets to take a girl's virginity. But she also is whining about it. She's whining about it. She just trashed a corridor because of it. I don't think she's trying to be sexy when she's trashing the corridor and she comes in and she's upset and she sits down. She just splits it out, which I just don't, I don't find. See, and I've read that I just don't find any of them. I just don't find any of these people realistic. She walks in and she's sort of like, to me, she sort of like collects herself and then is like, guess what I was going to do? It's like after she's sort of established that he's like, okay, in a way. And I thought it was cool too, like when they start making fun of each other, both of them immediately get super self-conscious. Right? And like, so there's a lot about that. I mean, I was in college in 2002. I felt like that was super realistic to the experiences that the people around me were having. At, at least the ones that weren't just like no argument toxic because there was a lot of really toxic and definitely criminal stuff that went on in college too because it's mm-hmm. you know that's part of our culture unfortunately but yeah I don't know I just I think maybe it is that specific thing with college and virginity that might be an American thing because we do have some really weird shit going on about sex in this country um I just, I wanted the characters to be more consistent. I think you can portray people with mental problems and people with emotional problems a lot more consistently than this, just so they seem like actual humans. Whereas this just felt like, you know, we talked about the sliding in of the When Harry Met Sally references. I felt like that was how every character was written in this. It's just like, what's convenient to go to next? And it didn't, it just didn't, it was very jarring. And it meant that the, the the characters together as a unit didn't really work because they were all over the place. See, and I thought it made them more human. Because humans are not, cons- like, humans are not consistent, especially humans that are, like, in the process of trying to fix themselves when they're severely broken. I disagree. Because I've been in, I've been in one of those friendships, like at the my worst possible time in the world. I meet this guy who's also at the worst possible time in the world, and we formed a very great friendship. And had you filmed it, it would have been a damn sight more consistent than this. <laughs> Even with the and like people it? freaking out and having breakdowns and calling each other at four in the morning and having problems, it still would have been more consistent than this. They just didn't. You know, and also I didn't believe, you know, they've just, they make this big romantic confession to each other. I'm in love with you and I'm in love with you and it's, it's for free and whatever. Okay. These two people have spent the last year and a half getting each other through this rough period. She moves three hours up the road and they just stop talking. On what planet is that realistic? See, I thought that was what, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie is uh, when they're laying in bed. And I say they're laying in bed, so listeners at home, if you haven't seen it, they didn't sleep together. It's kind of complicated to explain. But when they're laying in bed and she asks him, are we in love? And he nods yes. And basically, whatever. It gets to, do you want to do anything about it? And he says, there's nothing to do about it. I felt like that was so powerful to me in the context of how dangerous and risky and terrible falling in love with somebody can feel. And I also thought... I don't have any issue with that. 
no, so... I, I read that. I read that the same way that you did. But for them to have that moment and then to not speak to each other because she left town and she's only at the road doesn't make any sense. You've just shared this great but moment. But to me, but to me, it makes sense off. because it was, it was saying, like it's when he says there's nothing to do to be done about it. He's sticking with the decision they made a year and a half ago mm -hmm. to just be friends. And she, what I liked, but she falls immediately asleep and he has this look on his face that's just like complete pain right so he's protecting himself by saying no and she's totally okay with it because she's also sticking to that decision and i'm not and suggesting that they should have you know I, i'm not but here's the thing you're kind of missing my point I, her moving to a different city means that they can't be in a relationship no one wants to have a long distance relationship they're not going to try and do that clearly we've established that but they have also established at the same time that they do love each other and they care about each other very deeply and they're supposed well, to be super bonded. So why wouldn't you like give each other a ring once a week? I, I believe that the reason for that is because, and this is the other thing I really liked, the weight of what is going on with him and Paula is that he wants to make that work. He has decided he is not going to be with Lainey so he wants to make it work with Paula. And I think he knows like that it's wrong to stay hung up on her. And he says at the end when they're on the phone, like, I thought I would forget. I thought I'd get over it, but he didn't. And that's what destroys the relationship with Paula. Cause up to this point or up to the point of her moving, Paula has been kind of supportive of the friendship and, and that I think is a little bit unrealistic, by the way. Totally unrealistic. Regardless. She, somebody <laughs> else gets their name called out the first time you have sex, and you just go, "All right, honey, let's talk about it, and let's also have a relationship, even though this woman's still kind of around." Like, no, right, right, right. So I would, I, I didn't really believe that, but I, like, I believe Jake's actions because people tell you that all the time. Like, you want to get over somebody, date somebody new, right? So, like, he's doing that. And I think that there is, like, there are outcomes in real life, probably more so than in movies, where you rebound to somebody and it works out because you do eventually get over the other person. But clearly it didn't happen in this one. And I thought what was cool about it is, like, you see him making this choice and you see the people around him supporting this choice. And then you see it fall apart because the reality of the situation is that he didn't get over her and it doesn't fucking matter how hard you try. When he tells her, I haven't even called her. I haven't even talked to her. It's just you. It, it doesn't matter. Cause once you know that the person you're in love with is in love with somebody else, it doesn't matter how often they call them. And I mean, so that's, my, my I main issue was really that with that was like, um, I mean, I was astonished, actually, because we see the scene where he has sex with Boss Lady. I keep forgetting her, mate, her name. Oh. Um, and he says Lainey's name during sex. And she immediately is completely understanding. And the next thing you see is him in a cab on his way to Lainey, right? So I just right. assumed, well, that's the end of that. So when they go back and those two are in a relationship, I'm like, who is this woman? And why would she put up with that? I like, will say this. Beautiful and successful. And she has other options. This movie definitely suffered because of edits. Oh, yeah. And that, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that because there, like, there are threads. Like, I, I happen to know this for a fact because of information I have from 
an interview with the writer, but it also struck me as super weird. The first time I saw the movie before I had the information is like, you see Jake getting hit by a car and he's all bruised up and he's in a sling. And then the next time you see him, he's fine. And he's in the sex addicts meeting with a different girlfriend. And like the viewer has to do all the work and figuring out that this is supposed to be later. And, um, the viewer shouldn't have to do that much work. I agree. So I give you that. So the there's things, there's things like with the passage of time that are really weird in this movie because of edits, but that didn't change what I liked about it. And, and what I liked about it was I felt that it was realistic to my experience and the experience of people I know about fucked up people learning how to not be fucked up together. And I felt like I loved seeing the consequences of people's actions. Cause one of my biggest complaints with rom-coms is that nobody ever suffers any consequences for the shitty things they do. Mm-hmm. And everybody in this movie suffers consequences. And you see that, like you see how ugly it really would be if a guy decided to fight for your honor and how that's not heroic at all. You know, what's funny fucked up everybody's life. That scene is actually one of the only scenes that I liked. And I don't know. I thought that it was one of the only times that there was actual like comedy, like laugh out loud comedy when they're brawling in the street and Jake is like apologizing because he's bumping into passersby while they're fighting. Like, it's kind of funny. Like until the water breaks. I do agree that it's funny too. And I also like, maybe I just enjoyed it because people were hitting each other in the face because my one of, to be honest, the when when Jake gets hit by the car, it's right at the beginning of the movie. And because he was in the middle of like trying to win over a girl whose best friend he just cheated on her with I wanted him to get hit by that car like right. I, I like the violence in this movie made me happy because I hated everyone so much well and that's the thing but see again that's what I really loved about that scene where he he just gets up and starts beating the shit out of Sobachek because he just happens to see him in this restaurant right is because like, there's no doubt in your mind that Sobachek super deserves to be hit in the face mm-hmm. but also what fucking right does Jake have to be the guy doing it. And like, there's so many things going on in that scene. It is really good. And, and even though it's somebody doing something really bad. And what I really liked is when he hits him the first time and, and Subject's wife stands up and he's like, Oh my God, you're pregnant. Like it hits him in that moment. Like I've made a huge mistake, but it's too late. Right. And everything just goes fucking haywire. And, and those, those were the moments that I really loved in this movie. It's because it is, it's about like, if you fuck off in biology so you can flirt with TA, you don't get to be a doctor. And you will be in your 30s applying to medical school. Let's talk about the fact that actually, though, there's a really key scene here where after he's had the fight with Sobercheck and he's in the police station and he's screaming, I love you, I love you on the phone to Elaine and she's screaming it back and it's a whole moment. I liked the fact that he starts screaming, Elaine, and like swinging things yeah. around because it's a callback to the graduate and everyone knows that scene and they've already referenced it in the movie once and it's it's very, that, that I thought was well done. It's a nice circle. But he's in a room and he's screaming at five cops in a way that if you were maybe not a white dude, you would never be able to do wow. that because someone might kill you. And then it turns out when there is, when there are legal consequences afterwards, it's only about emotional damage to Sobercheck. The police haven't give, thrown any extra charges to him. And I was like, that's totally unrealistic too because he's smashing up a police station. It is realistic though because he's supposed to be a millionaire. 
I'm not saying it's realistic in a good way, but it is there's, realistic. But there's no reference so, to any kind of dealing with any extra charges because of what he did in the police station. And there should have been because there would have been extra charges for what he did in that police station. Cops in New York are not letting you smash up their police station without charging you with some extra shit. Like that wasn't, there's, no, there's no consequences for that. So not everything in this movie has a consequence. I agree, but I do feel like I can totally believe that a super rich white guy got away with that also. Not that that's okay, but so, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I, I, I just liked, but, but you are with me here, right? When I say like, usually in a, in a romantic comedy, somebody, the guy does super macho, I'm going to beat your ass to defend this, the honor of this girl. And then like, you don't hear about it again right? Like, it's just the thing that wins. And what I liked, that's not what one laney over. She's going, what did you do? What is going on? And then he tells her, look, I'm in love with you. I'm not over you. And that is what is the thing that moves forward. And when him and Paula are breaking up, like, you feel the emotional weight of it. You see how much this is fucking up Sobachek's wife, because she has no idea she's been cheated on for years she has no idea who this guy is that's beating up her husband she's about to have her baby without her husband there like there's all these things happening that you know what Sobachek's wife is literally the only person I had any feelings for in this entire movie and I do mean that like literally she was like when her water breaks and her husband who is also her doctor gets hauled off in a police car so now she doesn't have her doctor and she's had no part to play in any of this and she's completely unawares she's the only person I gave a shit about in this movie and it lasted for all of three minutes the boss when she's like my kid's in love with you I'm like bitch whose fault is that who let this you've been dating this guy for eight weeks why is he so chummy with your kid Anyway, no. <laughs> They've been dating for longer than eight weeks, but no, they say two months later. It's two months later. It's two it's months after Lainey leaves. It's not okay. Two so let's. Dating. So it's probably like two Remember, and a half months. Well, this is the thing, and this is why I agree with you that editing is a problem in this movie. Is that you get there's two points in the movie where they tell you how much time has passed. And the rest of the middle of the movie takes place over like a year and a half. And you have no idea how much time has passed between any of the things that happen. Well, and she's, that is okay, Lainey's about the to leave. Lainey's about to leave. He has sex with his boss for the first time. We do not see her again until it's two months later. So I would assume. No, she, that's two months after she leaves, though. So when she tells him but she we don't has see her in the long to decide. We don't know how long it is between her telling him that she got into medical school and her actually leaving. We have no idea. I'm not defending it. I think that's a problem a with really, the movie really bad that movie. you don't it's have any really idea. Bad movie. I, but maybe, I think if, if it, with this cast in somebody else's hands, this could have been a great movie, but I think it was really poorly executed and nobody was likable. You can have fucked up people be likable in movies. It's been done a million times. See, I don't care about likability. Like so that's not, you know? I like, I mean, I, I want to watch fucked up people being funny on TV. Like, that's, that's what I want from a movie. I just didn't like any of these fucked up people. I hope that um, people who listen to this are not just totally annoyed with both of us for arguing when we know that the other person's never going to agree. <laughs> No, because we're exploring here. I mean, right? genuinely. Like, you're never going to agree with me, and I'm never going to agree with you, and it's totally fine. 
when you when when we do this when we do this every week it's always like I roll in five minutes late like I'm like whatever give me a second I gotta take the dog out like today I was sitting here 10 minutes early because I was like I want to hear how on earth Renee thinks how this is a good movie on any level or an enjoyable movie to watch on any level. <laughs> I was so keen. I was I so open, ready to go like 10 minutes early. That's the thing that's funny, okay, is because I was super like, I just don't want to do this episode. It's going to be so awkward. I don't think it was awkward, by the way. No. But I was like, I was like, oh, I feel personally judged <laughs> because I really do like this movie that much. It but, does. It does get it. Go, like, it it did make me really. I mean, like I said, I I started watching it a few days ago, and then I had to have a few days off because I could just couldn't get to the end of it. Um, and then I forced myself to get to the end of it today. But in the interim between the two viewings, I have been at random points during the day, be going. I don't understand Renee anymore. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> like I just don't understand. Here's here's the example I will give. And I have no idea how you feel about these movies either. So like this still might be the last episode of this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like prior to a lot of the really gnarly shit that came into the public eye about Tarantino and Uma Thurman and his opinions on Polanski and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have these really tense conversations with people because Tarantino films were a huge part of like my awakening to storytelling. Right. And I'm so Same. capable of recognizing what is problematic about those movies. Mm-hmm. But people would be like, he is a misogynist and he gets great joy out of violence against women. And I'd be like, I just don't see that. I don't see that either and, because if you look at Reservoir right. Dogs, there isn't a woman in it. It's super violent. It's not about women, violence Which is women. Also, it's about violence. It's just about violence. Right. That's what's I totally agree with you. But also my opinion is like, well, I can I can see the problems with Tarantino because there wasn't a single woman in that fucking movie. That is like weird. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that to me is more evidence of misogyny than the women that get hurt in his movies, because the women that get hurt in his movies are getting like they tend to hold some power. And I was about to say the same thing that he he does pro- there yes there are problems but he also does paint these characters who are extraordinarily powerful women um who who have no fear and there's something very powerful about that too. Right. Um I think if if he'd made Reservoir Dogs later he'd have stuck a token woman in but it I don't think it had occurred to him well, at the time. You're probably right. Yeah, there would have been a, a Ms. Mm-hmm. Holler. Totally. Um, I can see it already. But, but so I feel like, but I feel like this conversation that we're having is similar to how I feel when I talk to other feminists about Tarantino. Um, because it is, it's like, your, your read of Tarantino, if you think that the violence against women is too much, is valid because... Like, don't watch something if that's how it makes you feel. I mean, it right? also might just might be triggering, you know? Right. I mean, like, there's a hundred reasons why you could watch Tarantino movies and be like, ooh, he doesn't like women. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to argue that someone who feels that way is wrong. Um, and I get super mad if they argue that I'm wrong when mm-hmm. I say I didn't read it that way. Yeah. And I feel like like we're having 
not the same conversation, but like the same kind of conversation where the reads of the film are so completely different that there's no way to like, to get to an, like, we just have to disagree. I, I think the primary to disagree, issue here that's not what this show's about. is that you're more willing to fill in the gaps than I am. If I'm watching a movie, I want you to tell me a goddamn story. I shouldn't have to be filling in gaps left and right. And I shouldn't have to be twirling myself up in knots to try and make this character make sense and fill in holes that are blatantly there. Like, you're just more willing to do it than I am. I think that's what the issue is. I really want to say that you're wrong. But also, I had an agent reject me because he hated how little backstory I would incorporate into my stories. So, <laughs> and I've had editors do the same thing to me on short stories. So maybe that is it. Um, but I think it, it, I think it's also like that. I'm just, I, I see the reality in these characters that you don't see because I'm coming at it from a different place. And I, again, it's fine. Like, I think it's cool. Um, I, Okay. I'll say this. I think it's cool that we have an episode where we fundamentally disagree. I just wish it wasn't one of my favorite movies. I know. Same. <laughs> same. That's the thing that's, that's been really bugging me. Because you said it isn't even my favorite romantic movie. It's one of my favorite movies. And I was watching it going, I wanted to tear my own hair out. I was just like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I feel like, and and maybe because it's so funny, because I told my friend Jordan who hates it, who hates it for totally different reasons than you do. Interesting. Um, first of all, I told him that it's his fault that we disagree because he said it would be nice to hear an episode where we disagreed. And then he doesn't like this movie and he said, I hope Ray is on my side. So Jordan, <gasps> go fuck yourself. Am um, I on your side? Jordan, <laughs> let me know. Look me up on Facebook. We'll chat. <laughs> It was, I think the added problem, the added misery for me is how much I love everybody in this movie as an actor. I love everybody in this movie. I love Alison Brie. I love Jason Sudeikis. This is so, see, this is what blows my mind, okay? Is because before I saw this movie, I didn't give a shit about any of these actors. Oh, that's I funny. I went and saw all of their shit after the fact. So it's like, it's, well, except for uh, Jason Mantukas, because... He was on uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I oh loved him in that. So, yeah, he's like he's never not funny. His so character in the Good Place is one of my favorite things that has ever happened on TV. Like, period, ever. I don't know if you watched The Good Place. If you haven't, please. It's just the best. He is amazing. You're right. I would almost forgotten about that. And yeah. also Adam Scott, who plays Sobachek with a creepy ass mustache yes. in this movie is even I mean I hated even like how am I hating him like I, oh god it was See, like that was what I thought was kind of cool I'm like if you can make me hate Adam Scott because you know better than anyone listening how how deep my love of Adam Scott goes if you can make me hate Adam Scott you've done something because yeah, he's meant to be on my but here's the thing too, I hated him in this movie because he again was a shell of a person he was a caricature we don't really understand his motivations for anything. And he does at times seem to have feelings for Lainey, but you never see it fully realized. You don't really understand what's going on. Why didn't he choose her? It, none of it, like, again, we're not given, but see, I need the holes I, again, filled in. I like it's that because I feel like seeing it, you're seeing that portion of the story from Lainey's point of view. And like, you know, I don't know how many friends that I've had to, you know, talk through breakups or whatever and just be like, look, it doesn't matter why. He's a dick. 
He's a villain he kept from a Poirot to fuck novel. You. But like, but and I then, don't like, think there's nothing is. to it. He might. I, I honestly, if they'd given him a mustache to twirl, I'd have been like, yeah, that's about right. Like the way that they See, do yeah, his hair, everything. So it's a caricature. Again, I didn't feel that way. It's so weird because because there's a line where um, he finishes her sentence about all the things that he said to her that made her fall in love with him. And he finishes the sentence like that he wanted, he at some point wanted to be her true love. Like he wanted to be that man for her. And for whatever reason, he made these different choices and he's getting married, but he wanted, this is what I liked about his character. I know so many people like this. He wanted to have the, like the wife that fit his station in life and have the family and be all respectable, but he still, he wanted that girl that he wasn't ready to commit to and was never going to be ready to commit to, to be around when he wanted her. And what I liked about the movie is that they actually base that in real feeling. Whereas a lot of movies would just make him a complete dick, but there were moments, like you said, when he finished, when he says, so I could be your true love. And when he's, he's gets this look on his face when, um, Jay's, shouting Elaine Elaine like there's moments where I believe like okay so he's definitely the bad guy but he's not without his own motivation here like he does have feelings for her he's just a dick about it he's a sniveling weasel and it's a caricature like I said we're never gonna agree and that's fine you know he had like three sentences where he seemed like he gave a shit but the rest of the time he's just a weasel so then you're like well why would she even it's oh god I hated this movie well see so one last thing, I'm gonna, one point I'm going to make about Sobachek, and then like we'll move on because we're <laughs> super over time, like super over time. But when he's trying to make Lainey take him and his car home, when she sees him at the party with his pregnant wife, and the last time she talked to him, they had just gotten back together and were going to get married, right? So she, mm-hmm. this, is, this is where Lainey realizes he is married with a kid. I have to stop this. I have to let it go. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to talk her into taking his car. And he says, why don't you answer my calls anymore? Or something along those lines. She's like, because I'm not an asshole. And he just goes, okay. Turns around and walks away. Mm-hmm. And the reason I like that is because it, I felt that that was very real to the character that they had presented. Is he's that guy. I agree. Who I wants agree. what he wants. And he likes that, that, she's kind of under his thumb and the second that she is not under his thumb he's like okay fuck you i actually liked that moment too i related to that moment i've been with that guy okay i'll give you that one so we we agree that the uh, mansplaining vagina scene is trash literally the worst thing i've ever seen in a film and we agree (laughs) that that moment with sobachek was super real and and that's good enough for me it's gonna have to be a thing because it has to be exactly god i wonder when this will happen next i wonder what will send us spinning off in this like opposite trajectory land it's weird i hope i hope next time it's the opposite way that it's a movie you love and i hate just for fairness Uh uh-huh yeah that's true you hurt me a lot this week i'm sorry i'm sorry 
<laughs> I know, but you hit me by making me watch this piece. <laughs> I was going to say, but you feel the same way because you feel like I hurt you by making you watch it. So in a way, we're kind of even. No, but you've taken this really well because if it's like, if you had hated When Harry Met Sally the way that I hated this movie, I would probably have cried. Next week, we have to do something that doesn't make me shout because last week I was shouting, I liked Notting Hill, but I was shouting about my own personal relationship problems. And I was like, oh, I'm not coming across well. And now this week, I've just been shouting at you. Oh, you came so, across fine. And next... it's okay to shout at me because uh, <laughs> I shouted at you too. And like I said, the podcast survived and we're still friends and everything is fine. So, um, and it'll be even finer when I get through the rest of this bottle of wine. And it's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, we don't know what we're doing next week. We'll figure it out. We'll announce it on the Facebook page. As always, yes. we are on apple podcast we are on our own website mandatoryhappy.com where you can stream us live we are on overcast we are on stitcher please um give us your recommendations for where you want to see us next and yeah we'll be back next week with a movie that hopefully doesn't make a shout i'm i still love you renee i still love you too ray okay (laughs)